And I just want to comment on one line in the gospel. Every once in a while, I think it's good for us. Jesus sometimes says things in the gospels that we just don't register. And I think it's important for us as priests sometimes just give you a little insight. What is Jesus talking about? So just one little thing like that tonight. So tonight, Jesus talks about John the Baptist. And he says to the crowds, what did you go out to the wilderness to see? And the first kind of thing he says is, did you go out to see a reed swayed by the wind? And brothers and sisters, every week, right, and I know you've heard me say this, but I hope you read the gospel that's coming for the Sunday. And if you read it, you should look at that and say, what does that mean? What on earth is Jesus talking about? So here's kind of just one really cool thing. The New Testament, and in the time of Christ, there are three different Herods. Drives my mother absolutely nuts. And she comes after me, and she's like, Brian, why are there three Herods? Like, why can't it be easier? I'm like, Mom, God just wanted to stick it to you, right? But there's Herod the Great. Herod the Great is the one who, at the beginning of Matthew's Gospel, tries to kill Jesus as an infant. We know a lot about him from the ancient world. He's the greatest builder of the first century B.C. Uh, And he was an absolute megalomaniac. Uh, He killed numerous of his children because he was threatened by them. But that's, that's Herod the Great. Then he has two sons that survive. And when Herod dies, these two sons, the Romans, split his kingdom in half. And one, Archelaus, becomes the king in the southern part of Israel. He's removed later on, and that's when Pontius Pilate comes in. In the north, uh, you have Herod Antipas. And this is the Herod in the New Testament that's always trying to see Jesus. And tonight, in this gospel... Jesus is asking a question about his identity as the king. Because John the Baptist is the one who points out Christ first as the Messiah. And so John's authenticity as a prophet is tied to Jesus' identity as a king. And Jesus says, what did you go out to see? A reed swayed by the wind? A reed swayed by the wind was Herod Antipas's symbol. He minted coins in the year 19 AD, and he put a reed on them that was bending in the wind. And so Jesus tonight, what he's pointing out about John the Baptist, is that John was not the king, but he was the one who pointed to the king. Right? The true king. Okay, super powerful. Okay, but tonight we continue our series on... Charity and the Eucharist is the sacrament of charity. So I don't know if you've ever done this, but I bet you have. Um, I bet at some point in your life you've prayed to God and you've said, Lord, I don't need everything to be perfect, but I just need to be happy. Jesus, I just want to be happy. That's a great prayer. I've prayed that many times in my life. Lord, I don't, I don't need everything to be perfect. I just want to be happy. And tonight, what I want to lead you into, brothers and sisters, super beautiful. 
Tonight, what I want to lead you into is that joy is such an important part of our lives. But joy is a byproduct. And so, in our lives, what we should not seek after is simply joy. We'll get to this. We should, we should seek after the thing that gives joy. Joy is a byproduct. St. Thomas Aquinas says, Love, and and joy is the byproduct of love, that's what it is. Love produces in us two things primarily. Love produces joy and sorrow. What joy is, is when you love something and you possess it, you're filled with joy. And when you love something and you don't possess it, you're filled with sorrow. Uh, Joseph Pieper, who is a great interpreter of Aquinas, Pieper says this, He says, even unhappy or unrequited love, right? If you, if you had romantic love and you love someone and it's not returned, even unhappy or unrequited love has broken through the principle of isolation on which the whole philosophy of hell rests. And so has gained a solid basis for joy. A part, no matter how small, a part of paradise. You see, brothers and sisters, the person who doesn't love, if you didn't love, you couldn't be sorrowful. Not on any real level. Only the person who loves can really experience the depths of sorrow and the heights of joy. And tonight what we want to jump into is the, the unbelievable joy that God calls us to. So I don't know if you've read uh, Brave New World. It's super depressing, which, you know, I'm happy when I'm sad as a melancholic. So, um, but Brave New World, I was, you guys were really sad about that. That was all the sanguines in church. Um, Brave New World is a really profound book. Algelis Huxley wrote it, I believe, in the 1930s but really profound, and a lot of people today say it's a very prophetic book. So I, I do encourage you to read it. It's great, and it's very insightful. But in that book, there's a part of that that really addresses well what we're dealing with tonight. In this brave new world, it's kind of a, a utopian kind of future society, but something's profoundly broken. And in this future society, this brave new world, if you ever feel down... There's an easy escape from it. They have a a pill in the book called, they call it soma, which is the Greek word for body. I don't know why he chose that. But anyway, there's this pill soma, and if you're feeling down, if you had a rough week, if you love someone and they don't love you back, you just pop a pill. It might take two, but whatever dosage you need, you're going to feel better instantly. And what Huxley does marvelously in this book is he shows that none of us would choose that. 
And something is profoundly broken if we actually enter into that kind of world. Because at the end, at the end of the day, brothers and sisters, what human beings want is we do not want just to be happy. We want a reason to be happy. Pope Benedict has a line where he says, all of us want to be loved, but only if it's true. All of us want to be loved, but only if it's true. And so what this points towards is that you and I, we don't merely want to be happy. We want to be happy because of something real. Joy is not something we should pursue directly. Joy is a byproduct. And so tonight, what, what Archbishop Aquila has called us to preach about, brothers and sisters, charity, as we've been talking about all through Advent, charity is love, but it's not human love, it's divine love. And in our loves, there's a hierarchy. Right? We've, we all can think of things in our life that we love and they bring us joy, but they're lower. And there are things that are more risky, that are higher loves, usually higher loves, by the way. Not always, but they tend to have a greater risk of sorrow as well. It would be so easy, right, in our life to be just like Brave New World. We can think of all of this. It's easy to choose counterfeits. If there's a high love that we're called to, and this theme tonight of charity is the source of joy, the highest good that exists is Him. The Blessed Trinity is the source of all goodness, all beauty, all truth. It's hard for us to understand that sometimes, but anything good, brothers and sisters, that we love on this earth, God possesses those things in an infinitely greater degree than we can even imagine. Which means, right, if there's a hierarchy of goods, when you love something that is of a higher order, it produces a more profound joy. And so heaven, right, this is why we get heaven wrong. We think about heaven, we're like, will heaven be great because the gelato is so good? I mean, yes, but no. In heaven, you will possess God himself. The highest good that exists. And so you and I, right, the thing that we're called to do more than anything in the heart of the Christian life, the heart of everything it means to be human, brothers and sisters, is not simply to seek out a psychological state where I feel good. The call of the Christian is simply to love. And with divine love, with charity, right, charity is not a human love, it's divine when the love that is from God and can live inside of us, and when we love Jesus and the Father and the Spirit, that can fill us with a joy that nothing else can. And I want to give you a practical example of this tonight. You're lucky tonight because I was running out and I was running to the confessional, and I had a couple quotes from Pope Benedict, and I grabbed my Pope Benedict book, 
and I've got the wrong one. So you got lucky, but don't get used to it. But Pope Benedict says, if you had to choose a moment that Christianity began, there's, there's different moments that we could say Christianity began, and different saints and theologians have said different moments. Pope Benedict says the beginning of Christianity is in Luke chapter 1 when Gabriel comes to Mary. And what Gabriel says to her, we translate it when we pray the Hail Mary, we translate it as hail full of grace. The Greek word for hail is kyrie. Does everyone say kyrie? Kyrie literally means rejoice. Pope Benedict says that moment, the first thing that Gabriel said to Mary is the moment Christianity started. And the first word of our faith is joy. Hail, full of grace. Rejoice, full of grace. Why? Why should Mary rejoice? The very next line, Gabriel says, Rejoice, full of grace. The Lord is with you. Joy is a byproduct. Mary loved God. Even before Gabriel came, she loved God. And because in that moment of the Annunciation, Gabriel brings this news, the Lord is with you, that is the source of Mary's joy. Mary, of course, right, her life is going to be filled with joy and sorrow because she loves. And so at the crucifixion, right, Balthazar, you've heard me say this, Balthazar says the greatest miracle of Mary's life is that she didn't die at the cross because she loved her son so much that to lose him is the moment she became Our Lady of Sorrows. Love leads to joy and to sorrow. But surely no one knew greater joy at the resurrection than Mary herself. Lastly tonight, this Advent as we contemplate, right, charity is the source of joy. My favorite meditation for Advent, I encourage you this week, pray with this, think about this. When Gabriel came to Mary, she was most likely 14 years old. 14. And as Christians, brothers and sisters, Mary teaches us how to be Christians. When Gabriel comes to Mary, she's 14. She says yes to God. Out of love and faith and hope, she says yes and one of the things Mary should teach us is that when you say yes to God, it will cost you a lot. Mary lives as a 14-year-old girl. Mary's going to be pregnant at 14. In our culture, we all know this. If young girls are pregnant when they're 14, that would be an extremely difficult thing. Mary lives in a culture, guess what, that's much more strict than ours. 
where laws around sexual purity are much different from our culture. And Mary, right, she can't explain herself. Maybe you felt like that as a Christian. Maybe you have family and friends in your life who ridicule you for your faith. And maybe you feel like you can't explain. I guarantee you so did the Blessed Virgin. How does Mary tell her parents, Mom and Dad, I'm pregnant. It was from God. How does she tell her betrothed, St. Joseph, what really happened? Mary, as she, I imagine, as she walked through the streets of Nazareth, Mary would have been held in shame and scorned as a 14-year-old. But this Advent, right, Mary, and that in her life, Mary was not sorrowful. At least in those nine months. In those nine months, Mary was not sorrowful. Mary in those nine months was filled with perfect joy. Because she possessed Christ inside of her. Joy is a byproduct. When we love, and the thing that we love or the person we love, when we possess that person, it fills us with joy. Brothers and sisters, to be a Christian, if you're a real Christian, you're going to have problems. If you choose to love Jesus Christ, if you choose to love God, you will not belong in this world. You will not be able to explain your faith perfectly. You will feel ostracized and like you don't belong. But if you have Christ in you, it won't matter. You'll have perfect joy. So Jesus, tonight... Lord, may we let go of our desire simply to be happy. Jesus, may we simply love. May we love you even if it brings sorrow and difficulty, or moments when we feel like we're not close to you. I know that will bring sorrow, Lord. But may we love anyways. May we love you above all things, and Jesus, may you be our joy.